Welcome to the Your Money Counts podcast brought to you by Marquette Savings Bank. Uh, my name is Jenna. I'll be your host for this episode. In these next few podcast episodes, we're going to be talking about fraud and different types of scams and how you can protect yourself from falling victim to a scam. Um, now, before we dive into today's episode, we're going to do a little uh, get to know your banker segment. So uh, if you could introduce yourself and... I don't know. I'm feeling kind of hungry. What's your favorite grocery store? (laughs) That's a good topic. My name is Lisa Lopez. I'm senior vice president at Marquette Savings Bank. And I guess my current favorite grocery store, because I hop around a lot, would be Aldi's. Aldi's is great. Yeah. 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 They have a little bit of everything. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. I have to say I'm a Wegmans girl. I love Wegmans. Um, So today's episode um, is titled Trust Your Banker. And uh, we all know that when you need a loan or want to open a checking account or even make a deposit, you go to the bank or use electronic platforms with uh, your bank. Um, But do you ever ask yourself, why should I trust my banker? Um, So let's get into some questions, uh, Lisa. So I want our listeners to have a chance to get to know bankers. Um, Can you give us a little background on bankers and tell us exactly what do bankers do? So I guess there's a lot of uh, preconception when that, you know, comes to thinking of what a banker does. Uh, We think a lot about counting a lot of money. We are experts in money. Uh, We open deposit accounts. We make loans. Uh, But there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes, uh, including monitoring money and, you know, watching out for our customers because we build relationships with you while we're making loans with you or taking deposits. Uh, so we will monitor activity, and if something piques our curiosity, you know, we might want to look out for you and ask you some questions. Right, right. So um, now banks are regulated, So, uh, from what I'm told. <laughs> um, so who exactly regulates a bank? What sure. regulates banks? That's a good question. So we are regulated, meaning we have to play by the rules. We're under a microscope. Um, state-chartered banks, like Marquette Savings Bank, are regulated by the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, or the FDIC. You'll hear that a lot at the end of the taglines. National banks, other financial institutions uh, might be you know, regulated by another office of the comptroller, those types of things. But So it sounds like there's a lot of uh, moving parts that go into a bank. So there's a lot of, um, it's not the preconceived notion of just banker is just in this one box. So um, out of all of the types of people that work at banks, I'm assuming that they all need some kind of training to do what they do. So what kind of training goes into banks and people that work at banks? What do they do? Right. Lots of training. So from beginning or onboarding of a new employee, uh, perhaps a new teller or somebody in the accounting department, even on the loan side or the collections piece, uh, there is a lot of training. Most of it, you know, will they shadow an existing employee that's there. There might be some online courses. There might be stuff that is prescribed, like you have to learn the regulation that the FDIC, the Federal Deposit uh, Corporation, puts out so that we know the rules we need to play by as we're performing our job. So it is, and it's ongoing. So as things are changing or evolving, lots of training. Yeah. So you've mentioned FDIC a couple of times. Can you explain that just a little bit further for people that might not know what that means? I feel like everyone sees FDIC on their little pamphlets and maybe even commercials, but what exactly is that? So way back when, before the Great Depression, before the stock market crashed back in the 1930s, people put money in their bank and there was really no guarantee that they would get that money back. Um, So out of that time period came the FDIC and your funds are now insured up to a certain amount. I could teach a whole nother class on that in another (laughs) session though, Jenna. So that would bring me back to It's a Wonderful Life with the 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 banking and the bank. Yeah. Um, Which actually, speaking 
speaking of movies, that's a great segue. Um, so bankers are often portrayed in movies and television um, and even advertisements as the bad guys, um, which may leave kind of a negative opinion about banking and people that work at banks. And so do you think scammers can use this to their advantage? They absolutely do. But do I look like a bad guy? Not at all. No. And there's more like me where I come from. Um, but the fraudsters or people who are trying to target people and get them to trust them are absolutely going to take advantage of how bankers tend to be portrayed in movies where, you know, they're the bad guys and they're trying to, you know, deny you for that loan that you need and you're out on the streets now or won't let you have your money in your account because there's a hold on it and going to charge you a fee in an advertisement. So I do think that that negative connotation gets turned around on us pretty quickly when somebody's targeting you and they're on the phone with you or texting you and saying, don't tell your bank. And it's easy for you not to trust me when I'm right. asking you questions then. Right. So and then what are some examples then of like how how could a scammer use that to their advantage? Um, I've You know, you see on, you know, the news about scammers that they cheat people out of their money. But like how how would they do that? Is it they are they pretending to be people online? You mentioned, you know, people texting or emailing. So how what exactly are they doing? There's a lot of different types of scams, um, imposter scams, phishing scams that might be email, phone call, texting. Um, we've done classes on that and podcasts before about all those different types of scams. So they're portraying to be, um, they could be posing to be the publisher's clearinghouse. They could be posing to be somebody from the IRS and you owe back taxes. They could posing to be a boyfriend or girlfriend who is in an emergency situation. Um, in all cases, they're either reading from a script or, or something because they've done all the math. They've taken the psychology classes, so to speak, and they're trying to build your confidence in them. So by doing that, if they say, well, you know, don't tell Lisa when she calls you because she's going to ask you all these questions and she's not going to let you help me, you know, is what it boils down to. So it's like the ultimate catfish Absolutely. situation. Um, Good way to put it. Yeah. Well, there's that new, there's that, well, not, it's not new. It's been out for a couple of years, that catfish TV show. So it's that, but instead of romance, it's money, but right. they can use romance as part of it, right? I've Absolutely. heard of that. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. Um, so just bouncing off of that. So I'm just going to give you a scenario. So if you get a text from a number and, you know, you don't have it saved in your contacts, you don't know this number at all, and they're asking you for money, should you get more information from the person on the other end of that call? It sounds like a good idea at the time, but really you shouldn't. So if it's a text message, you should block that number, delete the text. If it's a phone call, you should hang up on that or don't answer it in the first place and block that number and move on. Yeah. So and then what would your next step be? Because I don't know, you know, I've, luckily enough that this hasn't happened to me, but I don't know in that situation if my first response would be to call my bank or call my banker. So what what would you do? That's why we're here, Jenna. I'm so glad you <laughs> asked that question. So if you do happen to answer that phone call and you all of a sudden feel like maybe you've been targeted or manipulated a little bit and you hang up that phone call and you think, oh, boy, that doesn't feel right and it involves money or money movement or where's your bank account or any of those questions, I know it doesn't seem like the natural progression of things, but you really should call your bank and say, hey, I have this account, you know, I've got this phone call and just double check to see or look at your mobile or online banking tools to make sure there's no activity going on there. But we at the banks are dealing with this on a daily basis. So right. we'll be able to spot right away or tell right away by what you described to us, you know, if you need to take another step or two. 
Right. So and as a banker, it's probably a lot easier. Like you said, it's easier for you to spot a scam than maybe someone who is not familiar with this and doesn't work with it every day. Um, but is it hard for you to convince someone that they are being scammed? It really is. Um, the scammers are so very good at what they do. And also, I believe that people, you know, trust very easily. And especially when the end game is I'm going to get some money. Or I'm helping somebody. So it is really, really easy for people. And not just, you know, the stereotypical, um, the elder exploitation that goes on, although that is a big part of it. More and more younger people are falling victim to these targeted scams because these scammers are just so good at what they do. Right. And they, it feels like they mold with... Um, the way that things are going. So especially when social media came out, suddenly there's more profiles on there from somebody across the country who wants to be your friend and wants to get to know you. And then suddenly they're, seems they're asking you for your money, which um, is not safe. It's no, not safe. It is not. So what are some resources and websites that our listeners can visit to stay informed on ways to protect themselves and their loved ones? Well, Marquette's website is a great place to start, um, but there are other um, websites out there, and we actually list a lot of them on our website. But AARP is not just for the retired community. Uh, the bank uses it as a resource not only for you know fraud protection and things like that, but we actually have a certification process through them that our bankers go through um, to help with these types of things. Uh, the FBI, you wouldn't think, but that's another good resource. Wow. And yeah, the Federal Trade Commission, the FTC.gov, all okay. sorts of stuff out there. You could really go down a rabbit hole, but it's all about informing yourselves and then talking to people about it, you know, your friends, your family, uh, just to kind of get the word out and raise that awareness. So it sounds like there are so many resources and um, tools out there for people to use. So if they want to start with their community bank, if they wanted to start with Marquette, um, is it right on their homepage? Do they, is there a section of the website that they should be aware of that they should go to? Where where would they go? Sure, they could go to the Fraud Protection Center on the Marquette Savings Bank website. All right. Well, visit uh, Marquette's Fraud Protection Center at marquettesavings.bank and uh, be up to date on the latest local and national scams that are happening at marquettesavings.bank. and say that again. Um, so if you like what you've heard in today's episode of the podcast, subscribe to the Your Money Counts podcast. Uh, so new episodes are automatically downloaded for you. Don't forget to write us a review and let us know how we're doing. Uh, the Your Money Counts podcast is brought to you by Marquette Savings Bank, an equal housing lender, member FDIC. Mm-hmm.